Hey everyone, we are back to continue a new series we started last week that is sponsored by my new book. It's a love story. It's out on April 30th, but available for pre-order right now. If you do pre-order, you're going to get a ton of fun bonuses that no one else receives. That includes behind the scenes footage of me, bless my heart, a love playlist, a guide to romantic movies that I painstakingly researched, and the ebook version of Why I Hate Green Beans for free. Check out the link in the show notes on how to claim your bonuses. As you know, this love story series is all about romantic movies. I invited a few of my friends to help me dissect some of our favorite rom-coms and the conversations were eye-opening. In episode 101, my friend Stephanie and I discussed Twilight. I thought we would get a lot of clap back from this choice, but something wonderful happened. You people love your Twilight, your Twihards who have specific thoughts, and I salute your passion. Again, if you want to listen, it's episode 101. In this episode, my friend Todd and I analyze the 1987 teen rom-com that transforms a guy from being totally geek to totally chic. Can't Buy Me Love taught us that nerds and plastics can coexist in the same universe if you're willing to make a few sacrifices. Listen to this. Nerdy high schooler Ronald Miller rescues cheerleader Cindy Mancini from parental punishment after she accidentally destroys her mother's designer clothes. Curse that dessert red wine. Ronald agrees to pay $1,000 for a replacement outfit on one condition, that Cindy will act like they're a couple for an entire month. Can't Buy Me Love taught us that a foamy glob of mousse is a game changer. It taught us the meaning of rhododendrons. And most importantly, it helped us understand the elation one feels when performing an iconic 80s dance that is only rivaled by Michael Jackson's thriller, The African Anteater Ritual. Hey everyone, I'm Lindsay and welcome to the I Hate Green Beans podcast. During each episode, I'll be discussing television, movies, music, and books with friends who love pop culture as much as I do. For those of you wondering, yes, we will be talking about the Bachelor franchise. And no, I do not want to try your grandmother's famous green bean casserole recipe. But thanks for offering. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm here with my friend Todd, who you all know. He's typically on my movie podcast, but today he decided to help me out with this series we're doing that's sponsored by It's Love Story, my book. And we are going to talk about Can't Buy Me Love, which is pretty much quintessential movie. Well chosen, Todd. Well chosen. What made you choose this one? I have always just liked it. I think I little true confession I related to the uh, popularity uh, desire that old Ronnie had in the movie <laughs> I was a bit of a nerd in high school so I didn't, I didn't have teles- I didn't have a telescope and all that stuff but, uh, but I was a bit of a you know not not the coolest kid I wasn't the football guy so okay I related to his plight. That was, that's so interesting because that's one of my questions I was going to ask you, you know, like later when we get into the real crux of everything, we've talked about it all else. Let's start there then. You were a <laughs> self-proclaimed nerd, meaning what did you do? What were your extracurricular activities in school? Mm, I was a drama guy. <laughs> Me too. I was too. This is so great. What did you do? I thought it was, I thought it was great, but uh, you know. <laughs> 
Other kids in school didn't think that. I know. I had the weird, I had the weird back and forth of, I was in drama, but I was also in drill team, which is football adjacent, you know, because I participated on Friday nights. But at the same time, I wasn't so cool to be pop. So I was in this weird gray area. And I remember crying to my mom one time going, I don't know which group I'm supposed to be in. (laughs) And she was like, oh, my gosh, calm down. Be in both. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing. So what were the what were the groups in your high school? What were the different cliques? Well, there were obviously the jocks and the the cheerleaders, drill team, that kind of crowd. And then there was the drama crowd, and there were the band kids. I guess there were the more more traditional geeks, nerds, kind of like Ronald and his friends. I mean, I desperately wanted to be part of the football crowd, but yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't really want to play football. You didn't want to play football. <laughs> my, brother, my brother was the football guy, so there was always kind of that. So mm-hmm. we had. Um... The so you know whenever you're from Hallsville, the one red light town in East Texas, of course one of the groups are going to be the Kickers, which is the you know, and they wear boots and they rodeo and rope and are in FFA. So we had some of those, and we had the burnouts, and we which were you know the kids who never came to school, and if they did, you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot you went here. And, and they usually, at least the the burnouts in in my school, a lot of them had like really really high potential, super duper smart, yes. but just pot smokers. And yes. I don't know if they were smokers, <laughs> That's exactly right. And and I'm you know me the nerd going, you have so much potential. <laughs> Why right. don't you race to your potential? And there were also girls too that were. This is showing my age. I'm so sorry, but the cosmo cosmetology girls that would go and learn how to do hair and nails. I remember them. They had their own little thing. Okay, let's talk about Can't Buy Me Love, which is why we were here. Do you remember seeing it for the first time? Did you go to the theater or was it introduced to you in some different way? I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I must have seen it either on VHS, Mm -hmm. myself there. Um, That must have been how I saw it. We lived, let's see, when did it come out? You said 1987? 87. So we were living, I don't think I saw it until after that. And we were probably living in England. Yes. Because we moved to England in 1986. So mm-hmm. uh, I probably saw it there and it was probably on a VHS of some sort, mm-hmm. somehow. Um, but kind of like what you were saying earlier, it's just, I just always remember it being, Me I don't too. remember the first time. Me neither. I just always remember it being there. And I always remember being obsessed with Cindy Mancini. She was pretty cool. Wasn't she? I thought she was the prettiest thing in the world. I wanted her hair. I wanted her (laughs) style. I didn't really want her boyfriend because he was a dud. But Uh I really liked her so much. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I mean, as I already said, I wanted to be Ronald Miller. I wanted to to make that change, you know, Mm -hmm. and... I just didn't mow lawns and didn't have a thousand dollars. I didn't know how I could break through. So. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of lawns, like 287 miles or whatever. Yeah, m- yeah. Mode. Now, he was a thousand dollars to rent her, is what he says, for one month to pretend <laughs> to be his girlfriend 
will yeah. make him more popular. And she was saying, there's no way that's going to happen. But of course, it does. What are you talking about? Are you high? I want to rent you. You want to rent me? Yeah. You pretend you like me, and we go out for just a few weeks, and that will make me popular. Just going out with me is not going to make you popular. Well, I have a thousand dollars. It says it will. I think you've mowed one too many lawns. Ronald Miller is just cute and quirky and charming, and part of it was his personality, and she she got his foot in the door. But then yeah. he changed, of course, as as the time went on. Did yeah. you do you think if you had mowed lawns and you did have a thousand dollars, you would have thought about renting Cindy Mancini? <laughs> Never in a million years no. would I have thought I could get away with such a thing. Of course, you know, in the movie, that's one of the brilliant things of the movie. It's like opportunity presented itself. And mm-hmm. as I was watching it recently, just to get ready for this, you know, he's in the mall and like a thousand dollars is like prominently displayed <laughs> over the dress. And then the the micro, I mean, the telescope as well. It's like. They don't want to say that that's what's happening, but yeah. it's like really clear. He has a thousand dollars. She needs a thousand dollars. But no, I would have never thought. Oh, let me go pay someone to be my girlfriend. Um, yeah, works out though. Cindy. Maybe I should have one. <laughs> did you have a Cindy Mancini in your high school? Oh yes, you did. Are you going to say her name? I sure I can say her name. Uh, Tracy Altman was the girl that I had it bad for. She was your Cindy Mancini. She wasn't quite as popular as Cindy Mancini, but she was it for me. And we were, of course, just really good friends. Sure. Yes. Uh, as always. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you my, my... know that uh, Amanda Peterson, who played her, was 16 years old in that movie? No way. Yes, way. 16. How old was Patrick Dempsey? He was 21. <laughs> that's so creepy. That yeah. would never happen today. Yeah, no. And see, that's what was that. We, I was talking about this with somebody else. I was doing a movie for, and the girl was 17 years old and it was all hands on deck. Nobody look at her. Nobody touch her. She is not legal. Don't you even think about any. So I'm surprised they were even able to. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and he wasn't the oldest one. I think, uh, I don't remember who's who Patsy and Barbara are her friends. And Uh one of them was 24 years old. Okay. Yeah. And you know, her boyfriend was like 38. He was so freaking old. He was so so (laughs) old. So tell me about, um, lessons you may have learned from this movie what has stuck with you through the years since 1987 so one of them hair mousse can work wonders (laughs) for your social capital because all it took was a little squirt of mousse and (laughs) transformed him right and coupled with that sleeves are optional because she ripped the sleeves off and suddenly looked so much better and you know i think it was patty in the hall i'm digging his shirt so (laughs) Those two things definitely stuck with me. Um, and then, you know, later in the movie when they break up and he, she slaps him and he was like, that really hurt. It felt so real. I thought, if a girl slaps you and it feels real, it probably is. So <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit later on too, just how much of an idiot he was. And then the other one that I learned is that girls' bathrooms have vending machines in them. And I, <laughs> which, 
I remember watching this movie and I thought, why is there a vending machine in the girls' bathroom? And whoever I was watching it with happened to be a female said, those are for <laughs> products. <laughs> Having never been in one and we don't have in the room, I had no idea. So. <laughs> You're all unfair, unfair. <laughs> Here's a quarter. Can you go get me a Milky Way? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are some of your favorite parts of the movie? Yes. Favorite parts. Of course, the African anteater ritual. Yes. To this day, I will sometimes I'll break it out in a, you know, at a wedding or something because it's just so iconic. I loved it because it really did. It did exactly what the movie was trying to do. It just showed how ridiculous people are and how they'll follow. And I just, I just loved it in the movie. It's so great. Um, the, probably the, the most memorable moment It's my favorite moment, but every time I watch it, I want it to happen differently. And it's on their last date. They're, in the car and he was like we need to talk about something and you can see it on her face she wants him to kiss her she wants that mm. to happen and he was like how are we going to break up and mm. you know i looked at the time it's 37 minutes into the movie so a lot happens in 37 yeah, really it was like the first half wow and i want him to every time i want it to be different and of course there would be no movie if it happened the way i wanted it to but yeah it's like, dude, read the room. She's right. in the keep this thing, and he doesn't. And it's just, it's, it's terrible. But it's a good scene. That uh, is what that scene right there. That hole where he takes her on a date, and she's so cute. They go to that wall, and he climbs up, and she says, "I usually don't scale walls on dates." And he says, "You can do it." And yeah. she's like, "Well, I know I can do it." And then they peek over, and she said, "I've heard about this, the airplane junkyard." And yeah. he corrects her, and he says, "Graveyard." Yep. And that has stuck with me. Why? So, I do not know. That has stuck with me all these years, the difference between a junkyard and a graveyard and just him going through all the airplanes and saying, this is what history really is, not what we read in books. And I thought that is an interesting an interesting thing to correct her on, a, a graveyard versus a junkyard. I always loved that. And it's, it's a good... The other thing I like about that scene is it, it kind of takes his his nerdiness, but mm. makes it cool, right? Mm-hmm. So it takes the nerdiness of, he's read this stuff in books, he knows that this is here, he goes there on his spare time, whatever, um, and she loves it, mm-hmm. because it is cool, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I just, that whole thing. Um, let's see, other favorite scenes, it's a brutal scene, but when he sees Kenneth at Halloween, uh, oh, it uh, hurts. Oh, it's so bad. In fact, when I rewatched it, I fast forwarded through that part. I can't, I can't, I can't handle it. It, It's so sad. It is such a break of trust and friendship. Oh, so sad. The whole, the whole dynamic between him and Kenneth and how he just kicks him to the curb and and Mm. just the, the, the hurt on that side of things is, is really well done in the movie. I think the new, the whole New Year's Eve, you know, when her, her terrible boyfriend comes. He's so bad, Todd. Uh, he's so <laughs> bad. He's the worst. He's, I mean, really, 38 years old and, hey, mm-hmm. where's Cindy? Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> he's not the captain of cheerleaders. Hey, hey, Cindy. And she goes, Bobby, yeah, Bobby. I will finish you. <laughs> so bad. Damn. That whole scene is, again, it's, it's painful and you just, you don't want her to do it, but. 
he's such a complete jerk that he needed it to happen. And then when he walks home, he's so sad. And they say, well, at least we're not like him. When Kenneth and his friends see him mm. walk, and he walks into his house and he sees his little brother in their party doing the African oh, annual ritual. Terrible. Uh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I know. So and he he was he was so high for so long, and then with with one sentence, boom, he's down at the very bottom again. I also like whenever. Um, she uses one of one of the lessons that I was thinking of. Again, I don't know what my deal was with phrasing in this movie, but graveyard versus junkyard. And then whenever, aren't, don't you sit on the visiting team side? And she yeah. says, yeah, it's psychological warfare. He uses it to razz the other team. And I remember thinking, cool, yeah, psychological so, warfare. So that's great. great. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm weird. And that's whenever... You know, losers are to the left. Well, then you'll be making a right. You're right. Like, yeah, Cindy, because she was. Yes, she. That's whenever. Yes, her eyes are opening to what her little clique, her group, really is all about. Right. Is that her eyes are opening to man? Y'all are being terrible and rude. Although she didn't. Nobody really liked Quint, especially he's the one that put the cheap dessert wine all over her nice one thousand dollar exactly suede outfit right. that is hanging right. there in her exact same size her mother's exact same size right there right, same right, color right, right. everything yes perfect, perfect. everything's perfect <laughs> so i have a question for you so we talked about the halloween scene and all that but did that happen in your hometown like little pranks like that on halloween you know no me I, I don't think that was a thing but i well Okay, I don't think that was a thing. It very well could have been a thing, and I didn't know it was happening. But I personally never participated in anything. But again, I was in that weird gray area of I probably wasn't invited anywhere for Halloween because nobody knew to claim me. But also, my mother said we don't get to celebrate Halloween, not because it's the devil's holiday or anything. She just hates it. I just hate it, probably because it revolves around candy. She my mom to get fat. Yeah, mm-hmm. my mom hated it too. And yeah, yeah, okay. It could have been. It could have actually been happening. I know a lot of people, and there's terms, everybody uses terms differently. We said roll a house. Some people say wrap a house. Some people say TP a house with the toilet paper. It was rolling. It was rolling, yeah. Because you and I are very close in our our states, you know. Yes, yes. Louisiana is right there. East Texas right there. And it was, that always happened on somebody's birthday, and also, if your house was rolled, that meant you were popular. Totally. Or at and least that's what my mom told me. <laughs> right. well, so for in my hometown, it was every um, Thursday night before a football game, somebody's house oh. rolled. Really? And it was you were you were on the good list if you got rolled, right? Like it wasn't like what they did in the movie. So yeah. I have never heard of any of that happening. I do know the worst, the very, very worst that happened in Hallsville. I worked at the bank and Mm -hmm. there is a huge shredding machine, huge, huge shredding machine that you were supposed to shred old bank documents after however many years. And I remember a kid that worked there got the shredding. We're talking a bigger than a trash bag shredding, got that shredding and they snowed someone's yard with shredded paper. Oh. It was, you could not pick it up. That's you brutal. could not pick it up. 
at all. And I went, I went rolling somebody's house one time and you know, that is not my personality. And I was a nervous, hot mess <laughs> the entire time. And somehow I was the getaway car, like an idiot. And so we're rolling on the highway, a house on the highway, like idiots. And so a car would come by every 30 seconds and then go hit the deck and we'd all get down in the ground and then we get up oh another car hit the deck and we get down and get up well then the lights came on in the house and so we all run to my car well guess who couldn't find her keys me <laughs> because they were in my pocket and i hit the deck however many times so then they were in the yard no yes and so we oh, couldn't get away we could not get away well then everybody in my car ran well, I'm not going to leave my car. Plus, it's my freaking car <laughs> right there. Tiny town. Everybody knows what I drive. And I went, hi, Mr. Hopkins. Um, Can I call my dad and bring my spare keys? And he's, oh, my <laughs> gosh. It was the worst. And so then I had to clean it up by myself because I'm not going to tattle on the three other people that were there with me. And what was more embarrassing is that it's supposed to be, oh, Lindsay rolled Brian's house. She likes Brian. I didn't. Courtney right. liked Brian, not I, me. I, <gasps> I yeah, would never. So you literally had to go and ask the owner of the home to use their phone? I did. Because <sighs> we didn't have cell phones. Well, right, right. And I, guess what? Guess what my father said? Nope. You go look for your keys in the yard. So then the guy gave me a flashlight. <laughs> and I'm in there looking for my keys. And then he goes, I'll see you tomorrow at 8. You can come and clean it all up. I'm like, thank you. Oh my god! And you did it by yourself? Yes. Oh, Lindsay. Lindsay Ray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think my brother. We got rolled because of my brother, not mm -hmm. because of me. Because again, you had to be cool to get rolled. So. <laughs> you're totally cool, Todd. Thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> I think you're the coolest. He's um, not on the podcast. <laughs> So I have I have a question for you. Did you take home ec? Yes. Did anyone ever wear the apron with no shirt on in home ec? <laughs> <laughs> How ridiculous was this? <laughs> what the world? <laughs> no. <laughs> and he was also 35 years old, whoever uh, that guy was. I think that's Rico Suave. Yes. Rico yeah. Suave. Oh my gosh. Gerardo or whatever his name is. So fun. Mm, yes. He probably got discovered on Can't Buy Me Love, which, by the way, let's just take a moment to talk about Patrick Dempsey and his transformation to McDreamy on Grey's Anatomy. Come on now. Life has been good to Patrick Dempsey. Yes, yes. it has. For My sure. friend aged well. <laughs> and he was what well, that's what I love about this movie because you can't say, you know, there are some of those kind of Cinderella story movies where the girl is clearly gorgeous behind her glasses and straight hair. And then <laughs> she takes off her glasses and miraculously is, oh, look how beautiful she is. He he's legit looks, acts like a nerd. Right. Was right. a legit nerd that they hired to be the nerdiest of nerds. And yeah. look at him now. That's what I love. That he just yeah. he just came on the scenes. Because I don't think he did more than two or three other movies maybe that we might have even heard of. And then all of a sudden he turns up on Grey's Anatomy looking all McDreamy. 
And everybody's like, who is that? And you're like, well, that's Ronald Donald Miller. <laughs> Come on now. Um, are there any quotes that you still say? From there are a couple. So one of them, um, and, and I think it might be the same quote might be in another movie too, Adventures in Babysitting. But where uh, he goes, boy, I see no boy here. Oh. <laughs> when it, it's Seth Green, it's who it is. And he's trying to come to Ronald's aid and it's in the mall and Cindy's there at the makeup counter. And, you know, he, he anyway, the whole thing. And he she just t- calls him a boy and he goes, boy, I see no boy here. And, <laughs> and then it's something I can't remember the middle. You, you took him from geek status to king status to no status. You got it. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, the other main quote, you went from totally geek to totally chic, and then Love they reversed it later, went from totally chic to totally geek. Um, I, I don't use this quote a lot, but I liked it as I was rewatching it. Cindy says, after the African anteater, <laughs> she says, I've seen zombies with more individuality. <laughs> <laughs> you know Paul Abdul choreographed that. No way. She did. She did. I just read this because I, that's by far my favorite part of the whole entire thing is the African Annie original. And <laughs> they were saying how they didn't want to, they didn't want to offend any culture. So they didn't want to actually make fun of an actual dance. And so the whole thing was made up. And that's why yeah. they made it African just to be very big in general. And then anteater. I mean, that's not even a thing. And, right. and she, they called her and she made it up and came to the gym and taught everybody. And she's one of those dancers in there. So she's really? got, you got to look around for, her. I didn't look around for her cause I didn't, I'll have to go back and look around for her. But yeah, yeah, she's in there cause she taught the whole thing. But I absolutely love that part. That's- Oh my gosh, I love yeah. that part. And then when Chucky says, now that ain't Dick Clark, was oh right. my, that was a good line. <laughs> Chucky's my favorite. Oh my gosh, it's, Seth oh, Green. He has such good lines too. Something stinks in suburbia. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> another favorite of mine is is uh, where Ronald is, you know, when he's breaking up with her, you draped all over me like a cheap effing suit. <laughs> it's so terrible, but he delivers it so well. I love it. <laughs> His hair is really moosed that day, too. It was, it was extra moosey. Extra moosey. <laughs> and then I, love the, I love the scene, and it's, it's, again, probably not a good one, but where the girl comes up to him, didn't you take economics? You could have had me for forty nine ninety five, <laughs> And she's, like, laughing at him. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Horrible. I was thinking today, though, $1,000 was a lot of dollars right now to me to rent somebody. And that must have been just like a million in 1987. I know. That yes. seems like a heck of a lot of money. A heck of a lot of money. Now, do you buy the ending? Do you buy the love story that Cindy Mancini would have turned it around and thought, okay, I like him. I'm going to give this a shot. Do you buy that? So, um... When I first saw it, I did because it was, you know, aspirational. Like, mm-hmm. yes, as a 42 year old man, no, not for a second. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It broke my heart. Oh, this broke my heart. 
because uh, I may believe in it more now as a 43-year-old <laughs> woman than I did back then when I was 13. Oh, 12, <laughs> however old I was. Oh, that is one of my favorite... Um, I do. I, I mean, I like that she came back and Ronald, Donald, but then she hops on the lawnmower with them and they scene. share that kiss and the silhouette of the sun and everything. To me, yeah. that is one of my favorite. It's not up there with 16 candles where they're sure. sitting on the glass table and they, they kiss on that. That is, that is, you know, what I always wanted. Like, give me a glass dining room table. Yeah. With a cake in the middle and let me kiss Jake Ryan. But I always liked that. I always liked that they were on a lawnmower for some reason. I, I mean, I obviously like that one more than 16 Candles. I thought it was brilliant. Riding off into the sunset. He even has a cowboy hat. Yes, like, he does. That. I always love that. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, He's got his it. cowboy hat on, his jeans, his boots, and his nerd shirt. And I thought, maybe that's my sweet spot. Like, cowboy nerd. Yeah. That's why, you know, <laughs> works hard the, for the money on the lawnmower. It's just all working for me. It's all working for his, me. Uh, is it the You Are Here nerd shirt? Yes. Is that <laughs> yes, that was it. Yes, and it was black. So, you know, if you kind of don't read it, you're thinking, yeah, black t-shirt, black cowboy hat, manly. So great. Look at him riding off. <laughs> so great. Oh, I loved it. So great. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. This has been a huge blast. I can't wait for you to hear all of the other episodes we have for these love story series. Super exciting guests coming up. Again, sometimes I can't believe these people said yes, but I asked and they did. Do you want to know why? Because everybody loves a love story. They do. And if you'd like to learn more about that, why don't you read my book? It's a love story coming out on April 30th two more weeks. Eesh. Anyway, if you would like to follow me on the social medias, you can find me at Lindsay on Twitter or at Lindsay Ray on Facebook and Instagram. You know, that's spelled weird. The L-I-N-C-E-E-R-A-Y. I know. I don't expect you to know it, but anyway, you guys are the greatest. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Mean it. Texas forever. Texas forever.